In U.S. working forests, or forest land carefully managed to provide a steady renewable supply of wood for daily use, more than 1 billion trees are planted every year, and forestry experts protect and manage hundreds of millions of acres. Working forests have been sustainably managed for decades. How? It's simple. They plant more trees than they harvest. Learn more at workingforestsinitiative.com. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You can get into a match and you can find guns and you try to eliminate people. And whenever you, um, whenever all the people get eliminated, you win. When you enter a match, the first thing you do is you are in this bus in the air. You and 60 to 100 people jump out of a flying object onto an island of sorts. It's constantly getting smaller, and players don't start with any gear or weapons or anything like that. They have to scavenge. Guns scattered around the map, and you have to gather materials to build defenses and structures. And you fight with guns and other weapons. There are some creatures and stuff, but it's mostly just shooting people and hiding until the last person. It's basically like a sport for people like me who don't like moving anything other than their hands and mouths. My character looks like a little hot dog man with sunglasses. I did customize it. I bought him in the store. So my character was not customized until my 10-year-old cousin sent me a skin that has a burger head. Oh, what is a skin? It's, it's a character. It's what your character looks like. It's a skin. That's what it's called. You can buy characters in the item shop, and there's like Batman, Flash, or Iron Man. Creatures. There's different astronauts. There's fish. Bananas, like literally anything. So it's not graphic. It's so cartoonish that you can do the renegade while shooting someone with a rocket launcher. What's a renegade? Some TikTok dance that people apparently like. So you can shoot people and dance? Not at the same time, but yes. Yo, nice comms, bro. Hot comms, Good dude. work. Oh, oh you killed Turner, dude. Bro, I killed Steve. Nice place. Fort, why is Fortnite fun? There's really no reason I should like this game as much as I do. I'm not a violent person. I think because it's competitive and short. You spend probably 40 to 70% of every game not fighting anyone, which gives you a lot of time to sort of socialize in the game and 
with whoever you're playing with. My nephews play Fortnite and they're the main reason that I started playing Fortnite. And while I don't have too many other friends who play it, I've convinced my sister and my girlfriend to start playing it. During the pandemic, when I couldn't see my actual friends, I communicated with a few of my friends over Fortnite and played with them using the game's in-game voice chatting. I feel like it also triggers your adrenaline in a way. Like I get sweaty and excited and angry in a way that I don't otherwise. So I don't know. There's probably something chemical happening too. How much do you love Fortnite? A billion. Should everyone play? I think at this point, almost everyone has. Uh, Yeah, everyone should play Fortnite because it's free. So why not? Is it for kids or adults? Well, it's designed for kids, but a lot of adults play it. Do a lot of adults play? Well, you play it and all your friends play it. So you think it's not just for kids? Well... I shouldn't feel shame for playing it with my other man friends? No, even though I tease you about it. I don't think there's any more things I need to tell you. Can you play Fortnite and I can friend you? I can teach you. Do you have a Switch? I do have a Switch. You can download on there. Okay. Then I will do that, and we should be Fortnite friends, and you can teach me how to play. Okay. Fortnite is played by hundreds of millions of people around the globe. You can get it on just about any platform, Xbox, PC, PlayStation, Nintendo Switch. But as of late August, you cannot get Fortnite on your iPhone. And that's because Epic Games, the maker of Fortnite, is in an epic legal battle right now with Apple. It's one of the biggest video games in the world versus one of the biggest tech companies in the world. And even if you don't play the game... The fight could change your life. Yeah, this is a fight in some ways about the future of your phone and how and and what you can buy. Tim Higgins does not play Fortnite, but he does report on technology companies like Epic and Apple for the Wall Street Journal. Epic would like to have the freedom to sell directly to you, whereas Apple wants to control that experience for you on your iPhone. And people are paying attention because Epic's Fortnite is much more than a video game, right? Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a cultural force. Fortnite is taking center stage tonight in New York City. Gamers from around the country gathering in Queens for a massive Fortnite competition. $30 million is what's on the line at the first ever Fortnite World Cup that is underway at Arthur Ashe Stadium in Queens, New York. Good luck getting in because as of Friday afternoon, tickets were going fast. Thousands in attendance here, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, expected to tune in online. You know, on one hand, this is a shooter game, (laughs) but beyond that, it is something more. It has become a place where people come to hang out. Uh, And beyond the game, there are movies and concerts. Travis Scott's performance in Fortnite was groundbreaking. During Astronomical, a 10-story Travis Scott danced across Fortnite Island, igniting himself to reveal his robot interior. The audience was flossing hard in the digital mosh pit. I get those goosebumps every time, yeah, when you're not around. And it's all part of this idea that the founder of Epic 
Tim Sweeney sees uh, of something called the metaverse, where you would be in this digital world and that would be kind of your extension of your life. Hmm. Nobody knows exactly what the metaverse will be, but yeah, the metaverse is going to be some sort of real-time 3D social medium where instead of uh, sending messages and pictures to each other asynchronously, you're together with them and in a virtual world um, and interacting and having fun experiences, which might span anything from purely games to purely social experiences. It's really, you know, almost out of science fiction, uh, like Ready Player One. This is kind of his dream and kind of the way he wants to take the company. Tell me a bit more about Tim Sweeney because he's an important figure here, right? Yeah, Tim Sweeney founded the company in 1991 in his parents' basement. Um, he was a computer programmer. Um, these were early days of, of the video game kind of movement. It went from PCs and eventually became more dependent on consoles. And as smartphones became part of everyday life, started to pivot the company in some ways into that mobile gaming system as well. So it's a very large company. It's made him a billionaire, uh, but he is not like all of the other tech giants. He has based his company in North Carolina, far from Silicon Valley, in hmm. part because you escape that kind of Silicon Valley bubble. He is not flashy. Like he's not scheduled to host Saturday Night Live this week or whatever? Uh, yeah, he's known for his cargo pants. Uh, he likes to eat uh, fried chicken. You know, he's soft-spoken and kind of down-to-earth kind of computer programmer. But what we have learned about him through this case is that he is also a sophisticated corporate battler, that he was behind a very sophisticated plan to try to disrupt Apple's business and to declare war on it, and which has ended up in, in this courtroom drama that's playing out um, in Oakland, uh, California right now. Yeah, so how does he go from, like, a tech guy who's got a successful video game to, like, a tech guy who's taking on one of the biggest tech companies in the world? Well, it gets back to, you know, the fundamentals of Fortnite. Fortnite, you can play it for free. So the company doesn't make any money off that. Where they're making their money is selling these special costumes, if you will, for their players that you can customize. You know, this is kind of lucrative for them. But the key is to get as many players into the system to do that because only a small percentage of people actually spend money on this kind of thing. And so one of the insights that the company had was they wanted this game to play across as many consoles and devices as possible so that, let's say, you're playing on a PlayStation, but I'm your friend and I own an iPhone uh, we could do that. We could be in the same game together, but we're playing with whatever device we have. The hardware was not what was supreme here. The idea was it was a digital world that we could live in together. This was a big change, and it took a lot of negotiations uh, by Epic and Tim Sweeney to get that to happen. And that helped the company grow its user base in a very dramatic way. It gave them hundreds of millions of users that helped them generate billions of dollars. So cross-play, playing the game across platforms from PlayStation to your iPhone is huge for Fortnite. How do we go from there to this trial? Yeah, so 
once Epic gets cross-play, the business is doing great. It's making a lot of money. Um, their user base is growing dramatically. Apple um, was very excited to have Fortnite um, on the iOS system. That's the mobile operating system that runs on your iPhone. They um, were involved in marketing and trying to help Epic, and it was doing well for them. But, you know, video games have ups and downs. Uh, think of it kind of like a movie star who's hot for a moment and then maybe not so hot. Like after Tom Cruise jumped on that couch, that kind of thing? Something happened to you! Something happened to you! I'm in love. Yeah, exactly. And so one of the things we've learned from the, the court records is that Fortnite revenue fell dramatically in 2019 from 2018. Hmm. It fell almost 50%. The users were just weren't there the way they had been, and there was some concern about that. And so, you know, this is the kind of position the company was in, and, and they're thinking about, you know, what's next for Fortnite? And you get back to this idea of the metaverse and Tim Sweeney's idea of all of these things that can occur in that metaverse. And the concern that Epic has said that they had was some of the finances of the way the, the App Store works in Apple and in the Google App Store as well is that they take 30% of the revenue that's generated. And they felt like that just wasn't fair well, they also had some concerns about Apple's uh, rules that prohibited them from creating their own app store. They didn't want to use Apple's app store. They wanted to create their own app store. They want to use their own payment system. So we start to see through the court records that Epic starts to think about ways that it can maybe attack this walled garden that Apple has around its, its products. And by kind of springtime of 2020, the company is kind of focused on something it calls Project Liberty. And this is a plan they put together, pulling uh, up to 200 uh, employees to work on it. They hired some of the best um, antitrust lawyers in the nation, spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on public relations experts to try to figure out how they could kind of launch their attack. What was their plan? The idea centered around an update to the Fortnite game through the Apple App Store, and that would secretly put in place Epic's own payment system to circumvent Apple's payment system. Wow. And they knew this was potentially risky. As soon as Apple found it, it was very likely they would, it would be kicked off and they were concerned that maybe they'd even get sued to be made an example of. Because hmm. Apple is very protective of its rules for how it controls the App Store. And these are big rules that they were going to be breaking. And so the concern was that they would then perhaps look bad in the court of public opinion. So they developed a strategy on how to talk about it, which is this idea that they're fighting this kind of monopoly situation. You know, Apple is locked down um, and crippled the ecosystem by imposing you know, an absolute uh, monopoly on the distribution of software, on monetization of software, and they're preventing entire categories of businesses and applications from being developed um, in their ecosystem. You know, they, they're working on this plan. They go to Tim Cook, who's the CEO of Apple, 
Tim Sweeney sends him an email and and basically says, hey, can we create our own store? Uh, Apple refuses him and, you know, and then he's not happy about that. And by early August, they launch their attack and they flip the switch and this uh, payment system is launched. It comes along with um, some messaging that you could purchase the currency inside of Fortnite. Uh, it would be cheaper uh, if you use this system, you know, go outside of Apple's system and use it. And that really um, also is not something that Apple was very excited about. And Apple very quickly kicked Fortnite off of the App Store. This morning, Fortnite is gone from the Apple App Store. Overnight, Fortnite fans reacting, getting hashtag free Fortnite trending. You know, essentially, Fortnite was booted from the iPhone. I mean, as a Tim, how do you feel about this Tim-on-Tim violence? Well, it's very dramatic. You don't see this kind of thing very often in big business. And, you know, part of it is Tim Sweeney feels very passionate about this. He's talked publicly in the past about, you know, his concerns about the App Store and, and the way that these platforms have control over his business um, and how unfair he thinks it is. And you then, on the other hand, you have Tim Cook and Apple who feel like they have built this walled garden that has been very successful and has benefited a lot of developers and that people should follow their rules. And so they don't want to back down and, and neither does Epic. So everyone lawyers up. Well, so anticipating that Apple was going to kick them off, Epic was ready with um, a legal challenge. They filed a lawsuit very quickly in the federal court to claim that Apple was acting like an illegal monopoly and launched a public relations campaign, including a video uh, that you know tried to satire um, the famous 1984 Apple TV commercial that portrayed Apple as the underdog against IBM, the giant IBM back a generation ago in kind of the big brother uh, motif. At this time, Apple is the bad guy and Epic is the underdog trying to fight to uh, free Fortnite. That launches this fight that went immediately to the courts and has been fast-tracked in the trial uh, before a federal judge in Oakland uh, began this week. We go to trial in a minute on Today Explained. In U.S. working forests, or forest land carefully managed to provide a steady, renewable supply of wood for daily use, more than one billion trees are planted every year, and forestry experts protect and manage hundreds of millions of acres. Working forests have been sustainably managed for decades. How? It's simple. They plant more trees than they harvest. Learn more at workingforestsinitiative.com.
What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Tim, before the break, you talked about how Tim Sweeney and Epic Games decided to sue Apple. What exactly is their case here? This case will come down to a key question. What is the definition of a market? What Epic is trying to argue is that Apple has created a monopoly in the way it allows the distribution of apps onto the iPhone. That You can only go through the Apple App Store to put what are called native apps onto iPhones. And that, they feel, is improper. And then on top of that, they're unhappy that Apple has created a loan payment system. You have to use Apple's payment system and give them a 30% take. All of us, all million of us uh, developers, large and small, need to resist and refuse to continue cooperating with these platforms, um, which, you know, intermediate and obstruct us um, and you know, are basically holding our business hostages to larger and larger ransom over time. Apple denies all of that, of course. They say that they're not anywhere close to a monopoly, and they point to the idea that you could buy Fortnite on a host of different platforms, whether it was the PlayStation or Xbox or Android devices, that there is no shortage of ways to get Fortnite. And if Epic was unhappy with the terms of Apple's contract, that they could take that and go someplace else. On top of that, they say that the price that they charge is fair because it provides um, a safe, secure, reliable environment for these developers and for their customers. We review every app in the App Store to make sure it meets standards for privacy, safety, security, and performance. And each week, we review about 100,000 submissions, and we reject about 40% of them because they don't meet those standards. And that it's in line with what other platforms charge uh, developers. Hmm. They point to Sony and Nintendo, and you go down the list, and it's largely 30%. And so they feel like it's more in line with the market. And so you've got this question, a fundamental question of what a market is. You mentioned that Epic's Tim Sweeney is kind of this like anti-Silicon Valley, North Carolina, cargo shorts, fried chicken eating kind of guy. Tim Cook and Apple are kind of the opposite. And this trial's being held in Oakland, California. Does that benefit Apple? Well, it's interesting because the judge hearing this case um, has a history of hearing complaints about Apple. She oversaw a trial a number of years ago. Um, that was a jury trial, and this trial is a bench trial. So she will be the decider. And she has, in some pre-trial hearings, had some comments that suggest that 
She thinks some of Epic's case will be hard for them to prove. Yet she notes that the area that they are in here in California is accustomed to dealing with novel legal questions because of the fast-moving tech world. So she's left that open that maybe there's something new here that Epic can prove. And the trial kicked off on Monday. We're speaking late Wednesday. How has the trial gone so far? Well, it's still early days. The trial is expected to go most of May. Hmm. And just the fact that we got to trial into the courtroom on Monday um, after the lawsuit was filed less than a year ago in August is rather remarkable. I mean, that's, huh. that's really fast. And so, you know, Monday kicks off and some of the big excitement going into it was you were going to hear Tim Sweeney on the stand essentially making his case uh, for why he has brought Project Liberty um, out to the world. And, you know, it, it, he was there. In some ways, I've talked to some observers who felt he did a good job in the sense that he sounded down to earth and genuine. He wasn't putting on a show, these sorts of things. Yet I have also talked to observers who feel that, you know, if, that Apple was probably pretty happy with his performance and that hmm. he maybe did not make the strongest case for himself from the stand. And in some ways, it might not matter because the judge will be deciding the merits of the legal case. And that's really gets back to that issue of the markets. And in these big antitrust cases, a lot of times it comes down to the company records, the emails between the executives that give indications of their thinking at the time of when they're doing things. And so we still have a lot of ways to go. We're also expecting Tim Cook to take the stand um, later in the trial. Does this feel like David and Goliath or, or is it more like two Goliaths or is it like, you know, Goliath and his, you know, not nearly as rich friend Greg, who's like also a pretty big dude himself? It's definitely a clash of titans. The thing that's very unique here is that Tim Sweeney has the backbone and the pocketbook to fund this fight. Lots of people have made these kinds of claims in private or less privately, but they haven't been able to take on Apple directly. There is the very real threat of maybe Fortnite gets kicked off Apple's app store forever. And so it takes a lot of courage to do what Tim Sweeney has done. Tim Higgins is a reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Big thanks to everyone who contributed their voices to this episode. That is Landon, Austin, Ben, Louie, Siana, Ed, Reed, Noah, and Harper. And thanks to Taylor Macon, Peter Kafka, the big boss Rick Ross, and Afim the Dream Shapiro for speaking to their friends from the Fortnite community for us. I'm Sean Ramos from the Today Explained team includes Will Reed, Victoria Chamberlain, Halima Shah, Miles Bryan, Emily Sen, Muj Zaidi, and Amina Alsadi, who's our supervising producer. Extra, extra, read all about it. Help from Paul Mounsey this week. Facts checked by Laura Bullard. Music by Breakmaster Cylinder and Noam Master Hassenfeld. Liz Kelly Nelson is the Veep of audio at Vox, and Jillian Weinberger is the deputy. Today Explained is part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Ramosverum. The show's at today underscore explained. 
In U.S. working forests, or forest land carefully managed to provide a steady renewable supply of wood for daily use, more than 1 billion trees are planted every year, and forestry experts protect and manage hundreds of millions of acres. Working forests have been sustainably managed for decades. How? It's simple. They plant more trees than they harvest. Learn more at workingforestsinitiative.com. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.